What's going on, everybody? It's Doug. And Sam. And this is the Gaming and Chill Podcast. Hey. Always. It's a little bit different, (laughs) trying to go through and figure out who's going to be leading this. Right? Uh, Well, I mean, because Derek's Wi-Fi card is down, and so a whole bunch of recording process can't work then. And then... Can't really do too much on a computer without the internet nowadays, unfortunately. I'll say, maybe Minecraft, but no, if that runs through uh, Twitch... (laughs) uh, Yeah, unfortunately, you'd be kind of... (laughs) Uh, Up a creek. So, what'd you do this week? Uh, well, you know, worked, got to uh, come in an extra three hours on my day off, that was fun, and then, oh yeah, I got to spin twice in the Apple line today, it was uh, fantastic. I think I'd rather be sucker punched in the eye. Yeah, well, you know, it's that feeling where you're surrounded by a whole bunch of people who bought this really expensive device, and 99% of them don't know how to, like, turn it on. So the poor guy behind the genius bar is just, like, trying to be as kind as possible to this person where it's like, yeah, my uh, phone's not sending messages. Why is that? And one of the guys was like, well, do you see how the iPhone's actually curved? This has received physical damage. You've sat on this thing. (laughs) She couldn't understand that that would affect the way that it worked on iMessage. And she was like, I know all about er, all about uh, cell phones, because I have four of them, see? And it's like, that's nice. Three of those aren't iPhones, but I don't know what you're trying to do. <laughs> I know all about the world, because I have rocks in my backyard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what about you? What are you, were you up to this week? It's that twi- it was that first week of 2018 that it's that, oh, I'm going to be super productive. And then you end up like, maybe doing two out of your two things off your list uh like <laughs> make sure my insurance is all good so had to talk hey, about but that. you got insurance right it's pretty awesome and then other than that not a whole lot kind of i didn't even play my game like i didn't do anything you didn't play any more titanfall uh i played titanfall one night and then i haven't since Ah, uh, you haven't finished the campaign yet not yet you're going to like it, man. I'm debating, do I want to play that after the podcast, or do I want to build one of my models and watch anime on Amazon? See, I would volunteer to, like, help you with that, but I don't get access until, like, later this month. But we're going to talk about that a little bit here. Actually, that does segue into our, a lot of what we're talking about today. Oh, yeah. Today's main topic is... What do you believe makes a good video game a classic or good? <laughs> Ooh, that's a, a spring-loaded question, it feels like. Yeah. But first up, we do have our YouTube Roundup, which... Yes. These are, of like, one of the videos you sent me when I was at work, and the other video I sent, like, everyone at work. <laughs> Everybody at work. So why don't yeah. you go ahead and introduce the first one? So, this was actually given to me by one of our coworkers, Josh. Um, he was t- I was asking him for some of his favorite kind of podcasts, uh, and I was just kind of getting an idea of something that I can listen to um, just on the go, something that would, I guess, teach me something, because I really like uh, informative, like historical, and just kind of more... I-, I don't know what it would be, more like... Uh, 
education, almost document er, documentary kind of deal. Thought-provoking but, and less mindless entertainment. Yeah, and a little bit less NPR-ish because, let's face it, NPR can like go off the deep end sometimes. And it's just like, where? how did I get here? I'm yeah. talking about like... We're talking about dental Native American like water dances. I'm like, I, it's as fascinating as it is. I'm like, is this topic really something I'm going to be able to use in everyday life? But you know, like <laughs> three weeks later at work, we're going to be playing trivia, and it's going to be talking about like ancient Indian water dances, and you're just like, <laughs> I know this, I, guys. I am so prepped for this. <laughs> you wouldn't. Believe. Though sometimes you like catch yourself listening to NPR, and you're just like, I am way too invested in this. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, you're trying to figure out, like, some of these people are talking, and it's like, do you understand what you're saying right now? Some of the stuff that you're saying is, like, absolutely outrageous and not thought through. But other times, it's like, how come nobody's ever listened to you? I I wonder how you don't have funding all the time. Two days later, now I know why. Now I know why. (laughs) Hey, at least it's not, like, Breitbart or something. Right? (laughs) But, yeah, so I asked him... For just some of his favorites and he told me he's like well have you heard of uh, roman mars and i'm like well yeah he was like the god of war in rome but he's like no 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 roman mars he, apparently it's a he's a well-known podcast guy and he sent me this youtube link which i then shared with you because i thought it was fascinating and before i say it to the audience please keep an open mind for it it's called why city flags may be the worst design thing you've ever noticed and i know when i first sent it to you you probably were like what in the world are you sending me right now yeah i kind of looked like yeah uh uh-huh i will go ahead and get right on this video (laughs) but i was like no you have to watch it it's like 19 minutes and i've like showed it with everybody now so all of my friends go through and they're talking about this. But basically, Roman Mars has this thing called 99% Invisible, where it's a podcast that talks about design and really how the design of something actually changes the understanding of the world around us. So when somebody designs something, they have a statement that they're making with the design itself. And this was probably one of the most boring topics i could ever think of i think it's vexillology is the vexillology vexillology is that it i'm sure we're dropping a syllable somewhere but we're close enough for for government work yeah but it's just the design of flags and the information that he goes into and just the passion that he has behind it as well as apparently there's an entire like I guess study and like an actual group that studies flags all around the world but I I don't know what were your thoughts behind it so I watched this video in the first couple minutes I'm like okay uh, I mean this surely can't go on for 19 minutes at about 10 minutes I was like okay I'm really invested in this by the ending of it I was like we need to design a Louisville flag yeah and actually, I found out, so we looked up the Louisville flag, and do you remember that blue one with the uh, 13 stars and then the three fleurs on it? Yeah. That is actually the old flag. They adopted the new flag, which unfortunately is the uh, Jefferson County logo, 
on top of it. So if you guys are interested in what we're actually talking about, it's like after you watch this video, you kind of cringe whenever you see something like that. But trust me, if you watch it, you'll understand. Yeah. Because <laughs> we this... also tried to figure out what Antarctica's flag would look like. Was that the same day or was that like a different day this week? That was the same day. So that was we we had gotten on the fl- er, the uh, the topic of flags, and then we were sitting there. And it's like I want to design my own flag for something. And it's like well, we can design a flag for Antarctica, and then that spiraled into how we would claim the un or er, the disputed territory of Antarctica for ourselves. That and is that right. Was and just I an entire still have not <laughs> brought up with my fiance about how, trying to get her to have kids in Antarctica. So, yeah. uh, have not brought <laughs> That'll be that another up. podcast. <laughs> That'll be another podcast worth of the, pod- the entire that, theory that we had. That podcast will be called The Death of Doug, because eventually I will mention it, and, like, <laughs> it'll, it'll just be a thing. <laughs> it'll be a thing. <laughs> but, yeah, I do highly recommend it if you want to take a look. It's an actual TED Talk, which is what makes it more and more interesting. So, Ted- I... Oh, go ahead. TED Talks are either hit or miss, where it's like, this is a vastly, like, important, thought-provoking thing. And then it's other times, like, how did you get your own TED Talk? <laughs> what justified this? Or who did you know that you were actually able to get up here? Okay, and to be fair, if you had said <laughs> the dude who talks about city flags got a TED Talk, before I watched this video, I'd have been like, where do I apply to get a TED Talk for talking about godzilla something i don't know <laughs> where do i get a ted talk for talking about ted talks <laughs> yeah and then after this like <laughs> this man is a genius roman mars actually, for president <laughs> as much as it's you make fun of it i did find a what makes a ted talk great by ted talks which basically is a ted talk about ted talks so that's therefore <laughs> that's that's like a recursive loop where it's like this this thing is great because we're talking about TED Talks, which is a TED Talk because it's about TED Talks. Da, da, Yo, da, I da, heard da. you like TED Talks, so I put a TED Talk for your TED Talks. Exactly. <laughs> but the second one was Revol- a little bit more interesting and historical in value, which will... They, okay, to be fair, the Roman Mars ones was very historical when it talked about the creation of flags, but reviving a 3,000-year-old ancient ball game. Yes. Tell us a little more about that since you sent that to the entire, like, office. This, uh, it's hard to describe. The best way this sport looks, I think it's called, like, Mesoamerican Ball Game or something like that. It has Mm -hmm. the most generic, apt name where it's like, that took no thought at all when naming it, did it? But. Oh, yeah. If, alright, have you started watching Avatar Legend of Korra? Yes. This 3,000-year-old ball game reminds me of pro-bending on a level because of how it's played in zones. I can see that, actually. I see that <clears throat> a lot. So, basically, what this ball game is, you... I'm, I, I'm guessing it starts with someone rolling the ball towards one side, and you have to hit it to the other side without using your hands or feet. You have to use your hips. Yeah. Which, I mean, and when you think about, this isn't like a kickball. No, not at all. This is a bowling ball made of rubber. 
like it and is a the thing that fascinates me about this is that like I did a little bit more research historic or historically into like what they're basing this off of, and apparently back in the day they used to throw around just balls of pure rubber, and they could weigh up to what was it we we said it was like fifteen pounds. Yeah, fifteen pounds of moving force at your pelvis. That's like a kettlebell into your hip every single time because the rule is you can only hit it with your hip is that correct yeah so my question is like it takes some pretty intense maneuvering in order to go through and in order to get that moving around like off the ground yeah because here's the thing at some point it's going to be slow enough that some dude is going to be super ambitious and just, like, hammer it with his pelvis. And then it's just going to be like, oh, here we go again. We're not even going to get gonna... slowed down. <laughs> it's just going to be, like, he, he, a bad day for that dude. And, but, like, even in the video they talk about, yeah, you'll have bruises when you start. When you start? I'm pretty sure that's, like, you'll have bruises for forever, when, forever whenever you play that game. Yeah. But... <laughs> My thought process was, my hip hurts when I'm sitting in bed for too long. I don't want to think about hurling a 12-pound bowling ball at my hip. <laughs> it's just like, oh, cool. <laughs> That's what I've always wanted to do. Slam my body to the to ground <laughs> and hip check a rubber ball. But hey, you got insurance now, so if you want to try it, go for it, man. I mean, I thought, of, I looked at that, I'm like... I would play that definitely once in my life. <laughs> definitely once. Just once, though. Yeah, because if you played anything more than that, like you could just lose mobility in that leg. <laughs> but nice. The cool thing is, like, the YouTube channel that does that, I think it's Great Big Story. Yeah. They do a lot of really cool videos. Oh, they really do. Uh, one of my favorite ones... Uh, this isn't wasn't actually on our roundup for the day, but if you ever want to look up a really funny one, um, it's the uh, how Tootsie Rolls saved a entire division in Korea, and it's not for the reason you think that it would be. I watched that today, and I watched one last night about uh, fugu fish, the fugu toxin. Oh, I haven't seen that one. It's really cool because you look at it and you're like. These are literally grandmasters. They are Mr. Miyagi of what they're doing. Because they're like 800 years old. And it's like, <laughs> this will die when they do. Because oh, yeah. like, it's like, here's my apprentice. It's like, cool, the 800-year-old dude is teaching the 500-year-old dude. <laughs> it's not going any further than that. <laughs> nice. It's like, well, um, this is going to be a dying thing. <laughs> Just a little bit. It, but then it's going to die now. <laughs> you watch that video and you're like, man, that'd be really cool to go see and do. Like, it takes 300 years to make wasabi. And you're just like, you know, I don't have that patience. So this is going to be a kind of a side rant at the moment. Did you know that wasabi that you eat 
is horseradish. Like, yeah, it's mostly horseradish. Yeah. And that actual wasabi is, like, super expensive in order to go through and try and get it. Yeah, there's actually a great uh, video from the Great Big Story about this. <laughs> I watched that last night. Oh, really? Yeah. And apparently they, like, grind, grind up the uh, wasabi root, the rhizome, on, like, shark skin. What? Yeah, it's really cool looking. Yeah, I was just wanting to go through. I, I guess for like a video sometime, what we can try and go ahead and do is we can uh, take a look at just episodes or an episode of us eating real wasabi. And you're just like, that would be like $800. Yeah, that will. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to take a look at it. Like, just a second. Let me see here. <laughs> <laughs> Legit wasabi doing a. Uh, I'm guessing seventy dollars for three ounces. Real Wasabi LLC. Apparently, there is an actual company for this. And let's see here. Uh, products. Um. I'm betting you can also hear my cats in the background, can't you? A little bit. Yeah. But it's okay. You can hear movement behind me as well so you're good let's see <laughs> well i just don't think the uh, listeners have ever heard oh my, my cats goodness apparently fresh wasabi i don't even know how to pronounce that word i'm gonna feel stupid here rhizomes yeah rhizome. r-h-i-z yeah are for like 85 dollars for how much it's just like from 85 dollars oh, um so it's a half pound of the so, that would be pretty pretty spendy. Okay, but you can go through and you can get a jo- large jar of real wasabi powder for 25 bucks. Okay, I mean, that's not awesome, but not too bad. No, not at all. It would be a weird thing to take off on taxes, though. <laughs> but this is a business expense. <laughs> and, and, like... The IRS is like, mm, it's a jar of wasabi powder. Tell me again how that's a business? Uh, I send them the direct link to YouTube. Yeah. Well, we did this. Uh, this sure. is my defense. <laughs> the YouTube defense. Yeah. I really wish I, you could figure out like how many YouTubers have used the YouTube defense on the IRS. I don't know. Like, I guess you could do it. I don't know. Now that the tax code's changed... I have no idea how that's going to work now. But bah humbug. Bah humbug. <laughs> but, Who knows? Yeah. But, All right. yeah, other than that, real wasabi. <laughs> real wasabi. It's not in America. It's not in America unless you order it. Right. Let's go ahead and move on to our main topic. And that, again, was what do you believe makes a video game a classic and good? Ooh. Okay. So there's a lot. It's almost like a... A trifecta in my opinion there's for me it, a good storyline has to always be there uh, and when I mean a good storyline I don't mean like you have to be so in-depth that it becomes like a almost like a Tolkien novel of some kind you know how 
in the Lord of the Rings, it goes over the top detail. Yeah. But, for example, we were having the conversation, what were some of our favorite classic games, and it's like, okay, there was Halo, the original. Yeah. So, the reason why I loved Halo as a kid was because the storyline was well-written, but it was also largely, I would say, a mystery. There was a lot to fill in that wasn't, like, given. They gave you a brief, like, oh, hey, in the manual, we've been fighting the Covenant for however many years, or Mankind Evolved, we've been fighting the Covenant for a couple of years, and your Master Chief is Super Soldier. And that was, like, it. It gave you the information you needed to play the game, and nothing more. Well, it's kind of like in the original Nintendo games. Uh, I opened up, like, a Mario um, NES game the other day and read the manual, and basically all it said is, is like, oh, hey, Mario fights Bowser, he's a plumber, and he's trying to save Princess Peach. And that was, like, the only story you got for Mario. Fun fact about Nintendo manuals, and this is just a little side story. Uh, do you know the character Birdo? From Mario. Yes, if I'm thinking correctly. You said Birdo? Birdo. Has the giant wide mouth, the uh, pink boa on the head. It, it's like yeah, a, yeah, it's like yeah. a pink Yoshi. I do know that one. Yeah. In the original Japanese manual, Birdo is referred to as a he and how he likes to look pretty. Oh. Did you well. know? Did you know that? No, I will go out on a limb and say that I learned something new today is that <laughs> Mario has cross-dressing characters. And, like, only in Japan <laughs> is that still, like, a thing. And America's like, oh, Birdo's a she. Uh, uh, let's not talk about that. <laughs> but, like, I remember well, reading that fact. I was like, no, I'm calling it. Nope, that's not a thing. Walked over, picked up my, I think it was Mario Brothers 2. Looked at the thing, I'm like, well, huh. <laughs> hmm. So, well, that's something new. So, for me, it's it's definitely the storyline behind a game. I believe that you have to have a good campaign mode for any successful video game, even if that's the only thing for it. So, for example, um, let's take a look here something plausible so yeah halo was plausible because basically it's like humanity eventually evolves and goes into space basically creates the united states space or the united nations space command and then they run into an alien race because you know if you're traveling that far in the universe you're probably bound to come in contact with something oh for whether sure that's an actual live creature or it's a like disease of some kind yeah. which hey guess what they give you both in the halo game yeah and i mean in the form of the flood correct yeah in the form of the flood so you have a almost a religious alien race that thinks that they're superior and wants to wipe us out and then both of you get trapped on a ring which you find out is a super weapon that was meant to contain a parasite infection that was trapped away and almost took over the entire universe however millions of years ago. Can I so, be completely candid with you? Yes. I 
do not remember any of Halo's story. Uh, I never. I think I've played two, but like, I remember three vividly because I remember uh, Derek getting the Xbox 360 before I did. But, yes, like, and that was like the first game that Xbox 360 came out with that was worth getting. He got one like a Naruto game, uh, the Orange Box. Okay, yeah, that's fair. The Orange Box was. And Halo Three. Yeah. So, the thing about the original Halo, though, is that it's easy to go into, like, this huge, like, background story and everything else along those lines. Because now that the franchise was sold by Bungie, which I believe is the reason why it honestly died, because Bungie, er, Bungie created what was it halo the original halo 2 halo 3 halo odst and then halo reach were the games that were created by bungie right and then everything else got created by 343 and has been trash and garbage ever well, since let's just say that it's not like bungie did a lot better afterwards because they created uh-huh. uh destiny which yeah. has not been received well like it's no. been received well but it's after release hasn't been received well yeah so the thing about the campaign though is that now that there's so much backstory in halo we have entire book series that are dedicated to halo we have movies now that are dedicated to halo um i mean they have what was it i think it's like three live action movies which i found surprising I used to be, like, all on board the Halo train. Like, Halo 1, Halo 2, Halo 3, play with my buddies. Halo 2 was the first online game that I was able to play on my Xbox. So it has, like, this special this special place in my heart. But after Bungie sold it, I played, like, Halo 4, where they try to continue on the Halo series after Halo 3, which really there was no Did, reason to. Didn't they add another race, like the Protheans or something like that? Well, so, they brought back the Prometheans, who were apparently the creators of the rings, or the Halo rings themselves. Okay. And the thing is, is that, like, originally the Prometheans are, like, these good creatures, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, they're the bad guys now. And it's like, wait, what? And then the Flood's completely gone, and it's like, okay, well, that's kind of was, like, what made Halo games is, hey, check it out, the Flood's back. Oh, great. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, you're now on a flood level. Well, I'm going to start doing something else. <laughs> I'm not going to sleep tonight. Yeah. Great. Okay, cool. I remember but, running so, around the Halo 3 flood level. I think it's what, Guilty Spark 343 or something like that? Yeah. For like 20 minutes, just like, I don't know where to go. And they just keep coming at you. And yep. you're just like, why? And then the worst part about Halo 3 is since it was like the uh, highest... Um, graphics quality um, that you could imagine at least for the Flood series you got to watch them possess marines and like saw what they were doing in that first scene in Africa where basically the Flood lands and you just hear the marines like screaming in fear and it's just like yeah that raised the creep factor a little bit there but you know what was really funny on the Flood levels for the 360 it would tank your frames per second because there's so many, like, active, quote-unquote, actors on the screen. 
Oh yeah. Just be like, I'm, I'm not like able to do anything. the spores charging at you along with, like, you go around a corner and they're like 40 of the things, and you're like, oh, great. This is going to completely kill everything. Great. No wonder they let, let me have three shotguns on the approach in. Yeah. So, a campaign there that keeps all your characters to a minimum. So, right. for example, think about all the great games. You have Mario, so you have Mario, Luigi, Yoshi, Bowser, and you have Princess Peach, and really you have a whole bunch of other supporting characters and other kind of enemies in the meantime. Right. Um, but they're not really the ones you really think about yeah. for the most time. They're icons that you can remember whenever you see a piece of paper. It's like, I know who that character is. Yeah. And they're so frequent in the game, it's like you understand it. For example, Halo is Cortana, Master Chief, um, whoever your kind of leader is for the group, Captain Keys, for example. And then you have, of course, the iconic Sergeant Johnson. Yeah. You limited it to four people, and then you have all sorts of enemies and supporting characters in the game. And, okay, that's cool, but you have those people that it's like, hey, I can remember names in this instead of hey, we have this guy that we're calling him by name over here, and he's here for maybe one mission, and then he's gone again. You're like, what was the point of me learning that dude's name? Yeah. See, but I would agree, tend to agree with you, storyline, but maybe less so about the characters, because one of my favorite and all-time classic games is Final Fantasy VI, which had, like, 14 main characters. Okay. <laughs> But none of the characters felt like they were the main character, if that makes sense. I get that. Random fact, Final Fantasy VI is the last one that I played. And, like, did you did you enjoy it? Okay, so here's... This will hurt your soul. Okay. So, I got a PlayStation. Alright, here's, here's the problem. The PlayStation port was the worst port of them all. Yes. Because it slowed down. It did. So I went through, and I had it for PlayStation, went through and spent hours on the first, I think it was two discs, or it was the first one disc, I can't remember what it was. No, say Final Fantasy VI was not more than one disc. That was Final Fantasy VII. No, seven. Okay, so that's why I've just got my Roman numerals yeah. mixed up. Six was so. the sprite-based with uh, like Terra, Edgar, Sabin. Oh, okay. Got it. Yes, in that case, I do agree with you. That was a yeah. very good one. Yeah. I did play that one. But, but yeah, going to, let's, let's move to 7, which I am not a super fan of 7. But it's got the gun blade. No, that was 8. That was 8? <laughs> sure. Okay, listen, I'm not a huge Final Fantasy man. Wait, <laughs> all right, 7 had Cloud with the Buster Sword. Yeah, Buster Sword, was, that's what I was thinking about. It was 8 with the gun blade. Yeah, 9 had Vivi. Blade. And then 10 had Waka with the Blitzball. Yes. Which, I so, love 10. <clears throat> no, I was thinking or I was thinking of the... Uh, the, the Buster Sword. Not, what? You were thinking of the Buster Sword. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. But, the iconic sword. But my classic, it was Final Fantasy VI. It had a lot of main characters, but it wasn't like a character overload. Yeah. Well, that's the big thing with games. Like, for example... Um, 
trying to think of a game I played recently. Mass Effect. Oh, yeah, Mass Effect Andromeda. We were talking about that the other day. We have two conclusions about what this game is. But it has so many characters in it that it's like, oh, wow. Um, And they're part of the campaign. It's not like a, oh, random quest. Yeah. It's like everybody gets mentioned, brought back up, talked about. So it's like, oh, yeah, remember so-and-so. And And the only way I'm able to find so-and-so is because I pulled up my navigator and found him because it's like I have no idea who this person is. Well, for me, I mean, I guess I was able to latch onto the main characters and I do really like the main characters, which is actually controversial. Of I'm a I love Mass Effect Andromeda, and you know I'm pretty sure that you and my brother and Micah were like, why you have better tastes than this? But I, apparently Mostly I don't. We, we were thinking that you were dropped on your head a couple of times, but you know. I mean, yeah. Plus, you know, I held my breath for a very long time, <laughs> but. I guess I like the characters for what they're trying to go for. Like, I really enjoy... Uh, you're familiar with the Asari PB, correct? Yes. I absolutely love her as a character. Oh, I agree. That's one of my favorite... Or one of, one of my favorite characters of them all. But as a really cool combination is to pair her, uh, pair her and her team with the uh, Turian. Yeah, the Turian. Uh, Virka or something like that? Yeah. Because their relationship and friendship, like, they're antagonistic to each other. That and PB and Korra, they're also yep. very, like, anti a- antithesis of each other. PB is very childlike and Korra is very adult, and but was raised by Asari. Mm-hmm. So, like, they have this good chemistry in that they're getting on each other's nerves, but they have genuine moments every now and again. So. Yeah, see, the thing about, like, I guess that we had to talk about this as well. A campaign can have a number of characters, but it also has to have kind of like a set end to the game. Yeah. If that makes any sense. So, for example, the one thing I had, like, a really hard time with in the most recent Wolfenstein game is that after you beat the campaign, it's just like, oh, yeah, and we're still fighting, and you can find, like, mini quests and stuff like that, and it never actually ends, so you never get that satisfaction of, oh, okay, it's over, and then I can sit there and be like, man, that was a great game. Instead, I'm like, oh, okay, so there's more I can do, and it's just... I, I think that's due to the mode of gaming, the ecosystem of gaming now, where it's like every game has to be like 50, 60 hours, where like an old classic SNES game like Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy VI, you can hammer out in an afternoon if you're really dedicated and know what you're doing. Oh, yeah. And that's perfectly Same with Halo. We used to do that with friends. Whenever you'd go through and you'd play co-op with your buddy, you'd send it to the highest difficulty, and it's like, yeah, let's finish it before the night's over kind of deal. And you could do it, theoretically. you might have good memories. Are you familiar with uh, Fantasy Star Online for the GameCube? Oh, yes. I mean, it used to be a thing growing up in Vegas where we'd sit there with our buddies from, like, Friday night. Like, Friday afternoon, they'd get off school, do their homework, whatever, then come over to our house, play GameCube till like, 11 o'clock at night. Then they'd come over early Saturday, and we'd play all day. 
Sunday, we'd all go to church together, come home, have lunch, and play all all day. We put 2,000 hours into this game. Well, that's also another aspect that I would say that really requires something is really like the relationship building around a game. I would say memories around the game. And yeah, relationship, like memories. Yeah, relationship memories. Like, so my friends, some of the best memories that we had is we would always go over to our friend's house or we would invite our friend over with the Xbox just so we could all play it together and enjoy that. And we would laugh about it and we would talk about it as time went on. And it was just like, hey, we just had time to kill. We went through, we enjoyed the game. It was fun. I mean, there is nothing to it. Sometimes you would get really mad at the, that friend for, like, just totally destroying you. But Oh, yeah. I mean, that's Super Smash Brothers Melee. Oh, yeah. I you, mean, you haven't lived till you th- played a 99 I, match. Exactly. And until you've gone through and, like, fist punched somebody because of them using Link too many times. Uh, it was it was Fox, and it was that shine dashing. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean. Or Kirby. Kirby was the worst. <laughs> I would say even like modern games have that same feeling. Like um, Borderlands Two. Um, you and I have a uh, mutual friend. Actually, he was my college roommate, Andrew. Yeah. We would, you know, totally not have tequila parties, which is an entirely different <laughs> joke. But you know, we'd go out to you know get a couple you know wings, grab a drink, come back, and we played Borderlands co-op on our on our three sixties. And it was one of the funnest games to do because the writing wasn't super serious, the characters weren't serious, like the game was nothing but a joke. Oh yeah. And it was like the best game ever. You will be happy to know, and Micah can vouch for this, that is still a tradition in boys college. Like people go from room to room in order to go through and just play co-op Borderlands over and over again. Yeah. But, but it's it's here, a game you can play. It's a game that, like, people are still even streaming on Twitch. But here's the thing. I bought it for my uh, PlayStation 3 when I still had one. It was not as good. I mean, yeah. the mechanics didn't change. Nothing changed intrinsically about the game. It was just there wasn't the same, like... Oh, I'm playing the Gunzerker and he's playing a Zero, and we're kind of watching out for each other. It's like, well, okay. I'm I'm playing the game. I don't have to, I don't have to wait for someone to reload or their ability to cool down. I'm playing as fast as I can or want to, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I'm like, trying to... I I feel like that would be kind of like the same feeling if we tried to go back and play Halo now. Especially because, you know, you can get the uh, Master Chief collection on the Xbox. I have a feeling it wouldn't be quite the same magic. No, and the reason being is that... I guess the idea is we are, you already made the memories on the older version of the game, which is why I really have issues with re-releases. Um, for example, Blizzard announced... Um, but they were coming out, they did, don't even have a timeline on this, so it may not even happen. So if you're listening and you're like, oh man, this is going to be great, please don't don't quote me on this. They said it at BlizzCon, but they're coming out with like the vanilla version of World of Warcraft. Yeah. And 
the reason why I thought that was a good idea was because it's like, wow, things were a lot simpler then and it was a lot more fun. And they may just add a few new quests and stuff like that in there, but they were going to keep the game mechanics the same um, for that one, just update the graphics. I don't know if I would actually enjoy that a lot. The reason being is that the whole memory behind whenever we played with kids is was everybody in our high school class was like, let's create a clan, let's go out there, and we would play with our buddies, and then, like, now World of Warcraft is what? Like, on its, like, eighth expansion or something like that? Well, let me see, it's... Warlords, Draenor, da 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 Five, six, maybe seven? Yeah. So... You would go back seven steps, so the thing would be kind of like if they re-released Mass Effect One again with remastered digital effects. It's like, uh, right? To be fair, whole... I would buy it because I love Mass Effect. Oh yeah, I would buy it too. But the thing is, is that it would the whole idea behind it was, I got Mass Effect One, imported my character to Mass Effect Two, and then imported my character to Mass Effect Three, which was awesome. Yeah. But the thing is, is that it's like, would I go through all three of those games again just and read graphics? As much as I would love to, and I love revisiting that, I just don't see why I would pay the money for an updated graphics, because I honestly don't think the graphics have to do with what makes a game classic and enjoyable or not. Oh, no. As controversy as that sounds, especially since I'm a PC gamer, everybody's like, all the frame rates per second. It's like, oh, yeah, all the shading and everything else along those lines. I mean, one of my favorite games growing up as a kid was um, Super Battleship for Super Nintendo. I don't think I've ever played that. Hey, one day I'll go through. We can do a retro revisit of that one. It was pretty awesome. All right. But it's just one of those things where, I mean, Age of Empires, I got the remastered just because of the uh, multiplayer and being able to play it again on a, a more modern machine without it crashing because uh, I had the original version and just would not work on a more, more recent copies of Windows. But the graphics really aren't like, oh, man, this is fantastic. It's just a matter of it was the gameplay that made it fun. Yeah. No, I totally get that. So, so far we have campaign has to be well-written. And you have to have uh, those memories to it. Yeah. Memories. And for me, what makes a game great is, honestly, it doesn't necessarily need anything added to it for you to get full enjoyment. Yeah. So, for example... It would be like no microtransactions, in theory. So, I'm playing Call of Duty World at War, and, I, you know, I'm not a huge Call of Duty fan. Just because, you know, oh, Call of Duty, rawr. <laughs> just that mentality that everybody has with it. But I like World War II history. Yeah. And the thing is, is that it's like, oh, I played the multiplayer, and eventually, as you go through or playing multiplayer, you unlock different weapons and stuff like that but you can pay in order to buy other items and of course you have to buy a season pass because they're going to be updating and adding more maps and stuff like that and it's like you know i remember the original halo just having the one 
well, one set of maps, yeah. and we went through and we played on those and played every one randomly mm-hmm. until we were sick, <laughs> basically, of everything else. Yeah. And even with Halo 2, uh, Halo 2 did a good job when they released it. They came out with additional map packs, but it was like, if I remember correctly, it was only like $15 or something like that in order to download the new, the newest maps and anything else along those lines. And that was about it. Now you have in Call of Duty, you can buy different skins, different weapon colors, different credits to unlock things. And it's basically like a gamble. Uh, we were talking about this, wondering if this is why so many people are drawn in by the or by certain games. is because I can pay real money to get in, in-game currency that I can then get a loot box. And the loot box may give me what I want, or it may give me absolute garbage. Yeah, I mean, kind of like, uh, we talked about this. Uh, Overwatch, back oh, yeah. during the first Halloween event, I uh, legit told myself, I won't have time to play this, but I want these skins. I should buy those loot boxes. I got two of the skins that I wanted. And after oh, that, yeah. I was like, well, I'm a moron. And you're like, wait, I spent how much money? Right. And that was so, like, it, uh, it calculates to time. Yeah. I would say, honestly, that it gives you everything. I mean, StarCraft was throwing shade with Battlefront that when they were going through talking about, like, gameplay or purchasing anything else along those lines um, for content in their games. But they gave you everything unlocked at once. Eventually, you could download more and buy anything else. But they gave you everything in the game, so it wasn't like, I have to play with a handicap or anything else along those lines, or I have to pay in to be better yeah it was i have the game let me play oh yeah and then it just continued from there yeah. per se but what are your thoughts anything else that you think makes a, a classic game i would say and this is gonna sound crazy the developers have to love it as much as the fans i agree like ea does not love battlefront like, the no. fans love Battlefront. Not at all. Uh, who's... And you want to know how I know that, though? How's that? The first re-release of Battlefront by EA. Really? So, we're not talking about this most recent Battlefront game. We're talking about the previous one. So They hyped that game up so much, and then it was an absolute bomb, and EA decided we're not going to do anything to touch this game, practically. Yeah. And they didn't give a campaign uh, campaign mode. It's just like, oh yeah, here's a, a game to play with. Um, did you see recently that um, the original Battlefront two, like the original PlayStation, old school like PC version, they updated a patch for it. Really? Yep. And what does the said patch do? I'm not sure what it does. But here's the thing. This is a game that is well over 10 years old being patched. Oh, yeah. The developers still love it. I mean, what was it? Uh, it was before LucasArts sold out like the rights to Disney when they made that game, right? Do what? Like, LucasArts Games, or Lucas Games, LucasArts Games was still creating that one and who created 
let me see here. I'm pulling it up on my Steam right now. I have I'm actually not sure. I'm trying to think. I know Lucas Arts, Lucas, you know Lucas Games still had it, and that was back when they were doing like uh, Curse of Monkey Island things like that. And their developers loved their games just as much as we did. I'm going to the store page. It was made by. I mean, do you remember playing Battlefront back in the day when you're just like, you play through the campaign? You oh, couldn't, yeah. like, you, uh, I played on the PlayStation. I couldn't get online, but I still played with my buddies all the time because they're just like, oh, let me keep playing the same maps over and over. And like, oh, my buddy got Darth Maul, and so I hate him for like 20 minutes. This makes complete sense. It was Pandemic Studios. Okay, what else has Pandemic done? Pandemic, um, they made if i'm remembering correctly full spectrum warrior which okay. was a huge hit for the longest time um and if i'm not mistaking the mercenary games and those are all games that people loved oh yeah and i would still go through and like mercenaries is still one of my favorite sandbox games of all time yeah. i kind of prefer it even over to uh grand theft auto believe it or not the reason being is that it was more of a, hey, I'm a cool mercenary dude, and I'm helping the good guys, and I can choose to help the bad guys if I want to as well. Yeah. But here's the thing, the developers loved the game. So they oh, made yeah. the best game that they could. Not, what game's going to get me quick cash? Yeah. And it's just like, oh yeah, all aboard the hype train. Yeah, I mean, because if you think about it, um, the gaming market now is a lot less for long-term development than it was back in early 2000s, the 90s, where it's like, oh, we have to make this game, and it has to last forever. Yeah. Well, the thing was is that we didn't have the internet back then in the same capacity that we did. So if you wanted to add on to a game, you'd have to buy, uh, I remember with the original Xbox, um, you'd have to buy a disc in order to download said maps to your actual device. So, for example, hey, let's play, what was one of the maps that was released uh, for Halo 2? It was like, there was one that was like a warehouse or something like that. It's like, I want to play that one. Let's go to GameStop, get the disc. We have to get the disc, download it, and then play it on the Xbox itself. It's like, that's so cool. Yeah. We can do this. And then it's like, or you can download it on, nowadays, we have gigabit speed internets. Yeah. What? <laughs> and, you know, I think that, I mean, wrapping up what makes a game a classic is, it has to be, you and I will have different classic games versus what Micah or Derek will have versus if, you know, your wife plays video games. Mm -hmm. What is a classic? It's because of, one, our, our personal preferences, but just how the game hit us at that point in time. Like, oh, yeah. Or I think it honestly comes down to the memory factor that we all had. And even if that's just a personal memory that... We had just when we were playing a campaign alone, like, wow, this is really deep and thought provoking that I went through and played this game that made me actually question my actions, like some of the first, or the first Fallout games, 
that you're going through and you're like, wow. Battlefront actually... 2 had that moment for me. Yep. The Felucia mission with Ayla Sakura. And it goes, this is the going through Order 66. And they kill her, like, they shoot her in the back. And literally you hear one of them say, it's a good thing we were look, wearing helmets that day because we couldn't look each other in the eye. And, like, you've been playing as the clones and you're just like, oh my god, what did we just do? Yeah. And the other thing is just the family memories that you have. And you, it was funny that you mentioned my wife playing a game. You want to know the first game that got installed on my computer once I built it? Mm, what's that? Take a wild guess. You uh, probably will never guess it. I'm going to go with uh, Milton's Castle. I have no idea. No. 102 Dalmatians. The interactive game. Huh. So apparently she used to play that with her parents all the time uh, a long time ago. Uh, and this was like the Windows 95 version. Yeah. And that was the first game that got played on my gaming rig machine. Nice. Al Allison's in the back there like doing a fist pump. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and that's what makes a classic. Like, I, I wouldn't say that game's a classic because I've probably never played it. And even if I played it now, I wouldn't be like, that's a classic, because it has it has nothing of value for me, if that makes sense. Not at all. <laughs> so, But yeah, I believe that wraps up our main topic, right? Oh, yeah. I think we've beat this dead horse. We've beat this dead horse. <laughs> so, we don't really have a weekly challenge this week, because uh, we just kind of like threw this together at the last moment. But... Uh, we were, we have a new program in store for our viewers. Yes. It is Dungeons and Dragons. So, yeah. being as, like, this is the first time, like, you and I have been in a podcast together, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell me about your D&D &D character, what you want the audience to know about your D&D &D character. Yeah, I'm going to have to laugh because Derek's going to find out more about my character anyway from listening to this, probably. Right. But Wolfarn is a... Uh, Dragonborn Barbarian. So that was kind of a interest er, interesting class because this is the first time I've actually played D and I know that a lot of people were wondering about like why does Sam not know what to do? Well, it's because I've never done this before. Well, I mean, but, if we go past like three sessions, that'll be the longest running game I've ever had. <laughs> oh, possibly. <laughs> but yeah, so my character is well-educated, and believe it or not, because of his background, he is actually well-known by a lot of members throughout the guilds in our kind of world. What is the official name of the world that uh, we have? I don't think the world has a name quite yet. Or if it does, I, I, haven't, I don't have it pulled up right now. Got it. But he's well-known he has influence, but he's kind of this mysterious guy that keeps to himself. Um, he served in the guild's militia and army, or like personal defense force, and in a great battle, he actually ended up losing somebody who was really, really close to him. And therefore, he's kind of been on this vendetta of trying to figure out who it was that was responsible in tracking them down, but kind of uh, got caught in the uh, crossfire of everything of our campaign, but really kind of 
designed him to be more weapons driven if that makes any sense and now that we've gone through and we have the uh xanthar's guide to everything yeah. cool little things that we have to uh add on to characters which is pretty legit yeah um definitely he's one of the more mysterious uh, barbarians i've ever had like i've only ever seen like sneaky rogues who are just like oh, i don't want anybody to know who i am whereas it's like the first barbarian because barbarians are like loud and boisterous and he this your guy's very much like very educated and very smart but like i don't want anyone to like really know about certain things yeah Yeah. and as time goes on we'll find out more information about that of course definitely definitely i just want to touch on that because uh, like i said you like you said this is your first time playing D &D. yeah and like this is the first time I've been recorded playing D&D and DMing a story. Oh, yeah. And I do have, like, um, at a later date, whenever we're not doing a full season, uh, another game that I want us to play because I, I, I want to make sure that, you know, because one of my uh, favorite TV shows is something that I'm sure your daughter will eventually get into. It, uh, my Little Pony, there's a tabletop... <sighs> There's a tabletop version of that. No. Yes. No, we're not yeah. doing this. Yes. We're not doing this. <laughs> but it it's would... bad enough that you guys are going to make me play Minecraft. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I'm not. I'm not making you do anything. You're a grown man. You can do whatever you want. But I'm just saying that it would be an experiment of not playing a super vi- like not. A, I don't want to say violent because like D and D isn't violent. It isn't classically violent like we think, like GTA or something like that. But it's less combat, I want to make them dead, and more like, I want to do this, and more story-driven just to expand the like thought process of, I can do extremely silly things with serious consequences, if that makes sense. Yeah. And plus, it'd be like, it'd be like a good one-shot campaign of like, hey... Let's just be as silly as we can. Hey, that's and, as outrageous as we want to. And, and plus, like, it would be great because I have a feeling that it would be interesting if, like, your wife wanted to get involved in this because it's not super serious. Do whatever you want. You know? <laughs> They're ponies that have magic abilities. It's not serious. D&D is serious business. We are pretending to be wizards and elves, man. well moving on let's move away from that because you know that's not quite as interesting let's move on to our gaming news and this week we do have something that's really interesting and kind of has been a buzz around my place Derek's place and uh, one of the guys at work it is Monster Hunter World it's coming out the end of this month but they've announced a new open beta for the the weekend of the 19th and they've announced that there's going to be a new monster to be hunted during that. And they've announced the first DLC. So let me ask you a question. Have you played Monster Hunter before? Uh, okay, sorry, I'm confused for a couple of seconds here. But no, uh, I was going to actually say and admit that I have never played any of the Monster Hunter games. The best way I can describe it is it's mechanically in the same vein as, like, Bloodborne or Dark Souls, in that 
it's a very difficult game if you're not actively paying attention. And so kind of like Dead Space when you thought that when you were crafting things it was pausing the air of the screen and it really wasn't. Kind of, except that you're fighting giant like dinosaurs with battle axes. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, it's really fun. It sounds crazy, but like have you watched any of the gameplay of it? I saw the brief um kind of like the what was it the the preview release that they gave yeah. and I was kind of confused cuz I've never played any of the previous games. I didn't know what I was actually looking at per se. Basically you're hunting giant monsters and taking their, you know, skin, their bones and things like that and making new weapons and fighting off their parents. And fighting off their parents, because yeah, every parent would be really pissed if you killed their kids. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, I say that jokingly, but you can, like, pretty much farm the same monsters over and over to get more parts to build more of the armor. Got it. It's... To be fair, you have the same reaction I did when I was first introduced to the game back in... Before 2006, with a friend on a PlayStation... And they had the original, and I was like, oh, play Monster Hunter. You have to do this and this and this. I'm like, I don't get it. I don't like this. This is scary. And then I picked up, like, Monster Hunter 3 back on the 3DS and started playing it. I'm like, this is amazing. Why have I never played this? Wait a minute. <laughs> I have played this back on PlayStation. Got it. So we'll definitely have to show you it, the game when it comes out. But I, I was more confused. So you're saying that... It's been in beta, which I know you guys have been talking about. Yep. You've had the beta. Closed beta to PlayStation Plus members only. Yes. This open beta is for all PlayStation members who may not have PlayStation Plus. But then you said the first DLC is announced and the game hasn't even been released yet, correct? Yes. It's going to be like a day one kind of a patch, a free patch, because all the DLC is going to be free. Oh. Hey. Yeah. Good guy, Monster Hunter developer. Right? Capcom, actually. Hey, Capcom. Right? Pat on the back for that one. And it is the ang- angry Picklesaurus Rex, the Devil Joe. Nice. He looks like a giant green pickle with teeth. What? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you'll have to see it. It's one of those... I've been, in, I've been involved with this. Okay. So, let's move on to movie news. Something that yes. impacts you. So why don't you go ahead and tell us what it is. Okay, so I have bad news and good news. So the bad news is that Amazon has officially shut down Amazon Strike. It's premiere, or sorry, that Anime Strike, which was its premiere anime streaming service. Like, you could go through, wasn't it that we went and looked for, because your fiancé has it, and... Yeah. We were looking at some of the titles that we had. Studio Ghibli, it's, it's on there, right? Yeah, Love like things like uh, Paprika, uh, Steam Boy, things like that. Yeah, like they have a really good selection of them. But it was Including an additional Girls fee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was an additional, what was it, $6, $5 a month? Uh, about $6. $6. Well... Amazon people got really mad because they've said, oh, it's a paywall, which I don't really understand because, well, I I do and I don't. Amazon has so many things that you can subscribe to that's an additional cost, which is really frustrating. Especially if you pay, like, your entire 
Amazon Prime bill all at once, so it's like $120. And yeah. it's like, oh, hey, $5 for Amazon's trying to do Yeah, per month. Like, I get that. The thing is, is that it's a one-time fee that I pay, and I can get my money back with the same day or next day shipping. And also, like, Allison uses Amazon Music for everything. Yeah. Because it's, like, a free feature. Hey, it's... cool. But they went through, and people were really upset about it, and I was actually looking at it because I was really bummed. I'm like, oh, I was trying to, what was it I was trying to look up the other day? Uh, like, you were looking over my shoulder, looking at all the cool anime I was seeing, and you're like, I yeah. can't watch that. What the heck? Yeah, like, Spirited Away and stuff along those lines. Well, I have good news for all Prime members like myself. Even though they're shutting it down, they're moving all the content to Prime Video included with your Prime membership. Yes. Which is awesome. But it's now, not going to be like until the end of the month, right? It doesn't start until the 8th, is that correct? I, I'm not sure, but I want to say so because, like, I was trying to watch Girls in the Panzer today at work, uh, but I couldn't find it. I'm like, oh, no! No, 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 no. But then I realized, oh, wait, Amazon Strike, they're going to put everything on the main channel. Yes. So, my panic was well-deserved, but a little too early. <laughs> but, yeah, that's something to look forward to. And if you don't have Prime, I mean, go for it. Um, I mean, I get my money back for my Prime membership within, like, a month of me using it. Oh, to be um, fair, like... All right, here's Amazon's slowly taking over the world, and unfortunately, I'm contributing to it. But they have a really good service. <laughs> like, here's the thing: like, if you don't know anyone with Prime, you pretty much are equivalent to like a crack dealer. It's like, hey, <laughs> I got Amazon Prime. Everyone's like, hey, can you buy me? Can you get this? I'll get you a gift. I'll, like, I'll pay for it with a gift card. You're like, yeah, I could totally do that. And like, suddenly you have like <laughs> 60 orders, and you're just like, I've never wanted this phone case. But I that I don't even have the phone for. But yeah, I'll order it. Get like six boxes a day. It's great. So not everybody has the same day like Amazon feature, like in their city or anything along those lines. Amazon like hires out third party people to deliver your stuff. And the problem is I live in like an apartment complex that's very confusing confusing to navigate because my actual address is a street address. But I live in an apartment. Yeah. So I live in apartment 321, but it's not, hey, this street address at, at number 321. It's actual 321, this street address. Yeah. So we get third-party guys that are confused all the time, and I have to help them out all the time. They'll be, like, looking around with an Amazon box in their hand trying to figure out where to deliver it to. But the guys know me so well because I order so much, they don't even, like, call me anymore. Nice. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, left your stuff there. Cool. Thanks, man. Thanks, fam. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, maybe I shouldn't buy because, you know, I'm slowly killing the economy at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that wraps up movie news then. Well, moving t me, movie TV. Yes, sir. And we don't really have any game releases this week, actually. I looked it up, and I was like, wow, we are kind of in the dead zone, aren't we? Yeah, they're kind of letting the, the new year ride out on whatever games. I mean, PUBG's dominating right now with its new 1.0 release and being released on the Xbox, so there's that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that came out. 
like last month. I don't really think so. Like not a lot anyway. Yeah, nothing really, but it's just that it's the first of the year everybody's coming back after a day making sure they have their final stuff ready to go before next month's releases start up again. Yeah. We're we're winding down with people. They're like not asking hours questions at the library anymore. They're actually doing things these days. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, I guess we should go ahead and wrap up cuz we are over an hour. Yeah. So but... Go ahead. Any last thoughts before we start doing the social media wrap-up? No, nothing that I can think of. All I would say is that in order to make a classic game, it's all about the memories that you share with your friends going through and playing with it. It could be the worst game you know. Like, for example, my family was Cooking Mama. It's the only game that all of us as a family ever played together. Sir, Chef Mouse Cooking Mama is a genius game. What is a genius game? Yeah. At the same time, to like the random outsider, somebody be like, "Why in the world did you play this game?" Well, it's because it's outrageous and it's fun. Yeah. And the memories that we had were great behind it. So that ultimately is what makes a good game. And I would say honestly, combined with memories, it's basically the passion behind it for the players as well as the developers themselves. Because once a developer doesn't really care about a game title or a group takes it over you can honestly feel that entire vibe throughout a video game you really can you really can that's all i got all right then let's go ahead and move on with our social uh, media wrap up you yes, can sir you can find us on instagram at gaming and a chill podcast one word and that is and spelled out not the little ampersand on Twitter, it's gaming underscore in underscore chill, and you can ha- use the hashtag gaming hashtag gaming and chill podcast. On Facebook, it's just gaming and chill podcast. You can look us up, and our website, which is still being updated and still being refined, is gamingandchillpodcast.com. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at gaming and chill. Just look that up. We're actually uh, one of the top uh, searched for gaming and chill, actually. Really? Yeah. Which is really impressive these days. And then you can always buy a shirt, and we are working on more shirts. I think if you go back and watch the uh, Streamageddon from the first, uh, we're <laughs> going to make uh, a crossbow shirt that says, Crossbows OP, please nerf. Well, at least that's what I want to try to So you can buy shirts at cafepress.com slash gamingandchill. And then lastly, in something new for the podcast, you can help support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash gaming and chill. What it is, is if you're unfamiliar with Patreon, is you can, you know, say you'll donate one to a hundred dollars. We, we really hope it's a hundred dollars actually. Uh, <laughs> but you can say, I pledge this month amount a month to help support, you know, the gaming and chill podcast and all it's related programming. So like, uh, retro revisits, bite-sized news, and some other programs we're working on, including the D&D one. So that way, it kind of frees up time and space to create more content, to get a space to create more content where all of our stuff can be left there, not dealing with cats, children, and you know, well-meaning people. Yes. Uh, because like the other day, uh, some stuff on my desk was moved, and I was like, oh my gosh, where did this go? And my fiance is like, oh, I found it on the floor. And so I moved it over here. And now it's in the mysterious black nether. And it's like, 
I will you never broke the system. I will never find that ever again. So <laughs> you messed with the system. Pretty much. So supporting us on Patreon will help support us there because uh, I know Sam, you have a daughter coming up and I've watched uh what Derek's daughter does to his house and your house will be a mess. Yeah. So <laughs> having a studio to like record things and have kind of like a I don't want to say decompression, but being able to focus on creating something without having screaming and crying and toys underfoot is definitely helpful. Oh, yes. So, that is what our Patreon is for, and like I said, that's patreon.com slash gamingandchill, and we're going to go ahead and have all our links on the screen when you're watching this on YouTube, but if you're on audio, we'll have it in our link dump below. Alright, and I believe that's it. Anything else yes, you want sir. to add? That should be it. We will catch you guys um, throughout the rest of the week. We're going to be releasing some more of the game, uh, gaming footage of Tiny Metal as well as more of Derek's retro revisit, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, yes. So, until we see you next time, it may not be me and Sam. It could theoretically be Derek and Sam or Derek and Micah. Sam and Micah. Whatever combination we come up with, uh, we'll see you later. Alright, you guys have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.